Welcome to the CEC report for the 17th of February 2017. I'm Elisa Barwick and joining me today is CEC leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome Craig. Yeah, thanks Elisa. And on today's show we have massive freakout at US shift towards new economic and foreign policy and Australia's economy is being deliberately dismantled. Help stop it. So firstly, massive freakout at US shift towards new economic and foreign policy. So the big news of the day, Craig, is that a politician lied. Shock, horror. <laughs> or didn't quite tell the truth. Oh. And we're talking about the case of National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, advisor to President, US President Trump. Mm -hmm. But of course, uh, what is being whipped up out of this is extraordinary. This could supposedly bring down an entire government just because a political figure didn't quite tell the full truth. And of course, what he's accused of, for those who don't know, uh, is that he talked to the Russian ambassador late last year before the Trump government was even in power uh, and spoke to him about the issue of whether Russian sanctions, American sanctions against Russia might be lifted. Uh, and he neglected to fully inform the vice president of that decision. So a, a complete mountain has been made out of a molehill mole out of this mm -hmm. story and the media are all saying this is worse than Watergate. I mean, it's just wild. I mean, if you compare it, for example, to what the list of crimes, and we haven't got enough time in the show to go through them, of what Obama committed, you know, from uh, extrajudicial drone strikes, killing even American citizens, regime change, supporting terrorists, the growth of ISIS, suppressing the truth of what was behind 9-11, etc. Um, and Trump's barely been in office for even a month. As you said, he inherited a mess and you can see what the mess is. Exactly. And this is being specifically designed right now uh, with the connection to Russia and the sanctions issue to revive this whole um, story that it was Putin and it was Russia that actually got Trump elected. And there's been numerous attempts actually ever since Trump was elected from, you know, wanting a recount of certain states which failed, you know, and then trying to link it to uh, Russian hacking and so forth. And one after the other, they've fallen on their face. So they have to keep inventing new uh, scandals. And that's what this is. Now, of course, it raises the election uh, of who is putting these leaks out and who is pumping out these mistruths and so forth. Uh, and for example, even the London Telegraph raised this as the bigger issue with the headline, Michael Flynn's political assassination by the deep state sets a terrifying precedent for democracy. Um, and because these leaks are happening repeatedly, even remember the um, phone call that Trump had with Turnbull. Mm -hmm. That was all leaked, the content mm -hmm. of that. So there's been a repeated series of these. Now, I just want to play a quick clip of former Democratic Congressman Dennis Kucinich talking about this issue. So the Department of Justice had reportedly warned the Trump administration that Flynn could be vulnerable to blackmail for his connection to the Russian ambassador. Are you surprised by the resignation? What's your take here? Well, uh, General Flynn has admitted misleading the vice president. But I think we have to look at this a little bit deeper. A, a phone call from the incoming director of national security was intercepted. And uh, the contents given to the media. And you have to, uh, and, and, sh and so obviously shared by intelligence officials. Now, what's at the core of this is an effort by some in the intelligence community to upend any... Uh, 
positive relationship between the U.S. and Russia. And I tell you, there's a marching band and chowder society out there. There's gold in them, there are hills. There are people trying to separate the U.S. and Russia so that this uh, military-industrial uh, intel um, axis can cash in. So, so, is the, so is the bigger issue here, in your view, the fact that this was leaked? And somebody inside the White House got this news out to the press? What, what are you saying? Well, look, it's an issue, and, and the general has admitted in his resignation letter that he misled the vice president. That's a bad thing. But the American people have to know that there's a game going on inside the intelligence community where there are those who want to separate the U.S. from Russia in a way that would reignite the Cold War. That's what's at the bottom of all this. It's like... It's early in the morning, it's Valentine's Day, but wake up, America. Wow. Congressman, do you think that this fundamentally changes the prospect of a stronger relationship with Russia, or do you think that things can proceed as they have been proceeding, as the president has said he'd like to proceed? Hey, look, this, what's going on in the intelligence community with this new president is unprecedented. They're making every effort to upend him. Who knows what the truth is anymore? It's like, it's like, this is like Mad Mag the electronic version of Mad Magazine, spy versus spy. And, and so the bottom line is we should not start a Cold War again with Russia. The American people forked over billions of dollars for the last one and changed the quality of life in this country. There's something wrong going on here in the intelligence community. So what, what, what so as he points out there, Craig, the real issue is revving up this conflict or a new Cold War uh, with Russia, and that's the big thing. And Trump addressed this in his press conference today, which Australians would have woken up to. And I want to show a clip from it because, you know, the way the media presents it is that Trump was hysterical, he just beat up on the media, he ranted, etc. Um, but if you actually listen to the whole 90-minute press conference, um, there's some, you know, moments of real clarity where mm. Trump really lays out on the line the risks are, that are afoot here of the situation, as you said, that Obama and others, Bush, etc., have left the world in that he's trying to correct. So we'll just watch this. The whole Russian thing, that's a ruse. That's a ruse. And by the way, it would be great if we could get along with Russia, just so you understand that. Now, tomorrow you'll say, Donald Trump wants to get along with Russia. This is terrible. It's not terrible. It's good. If we could get along with Russia, that's a positive thing. We have a very talented man, Rex Tillerson, who's going to be meeting with them shortly. And I told him, I said, I know politically it's probably not good for me. Hey, the greatest thing I could do is shoot that ship that's 30 miles offshore right out of the water. Everyone in this country is going to say, oh, it's so great. That's not great. That's not great. I would love to be able to get along with Russia. Now, you've had a lot of presidents that haven't taken that tack. Look where we are now. Look where we are now. So, if I can. Now, I love to negotiate things. I do it really well and all that stuff. But, but it's possible I won't be able to get along with Putin. Maybe it is. But I want to just tell you, the false reporting by the media, by you people, the false, horrible, fake reporting, makes it much harder to make a deal with Russia. And probably Putin said, you know, he's sitting behind his desk and he's saying, you know, I see what's going on in the United States. They follow it closely. It's going to be impossible for President Trump to ever get along with Russia because of all the pressure he's got with this fake story, okay? And that's a shame.
Because if we could get along with Russia, and by the way, China and Japan and everyone, if we could get along, it would be a positive thing, not a negative thing. If Russia and the United States actually got together and got along, and don't forget, we're a very powerful nuclear country, and so are they. There's no upside. We're a very powerful nuclear country, and so are they. I've been briefed, and I can tell you one thing about a briefing that we're allowed to say because anybody that ever read the most basic book can say it. Nuclear holocaust would be like no other. They're a very powerful nuclear country, and so are we. If we have a good relationship with Russia, believe me, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. So when you say they're... So, Alice, look, there's a couple of issues here, particularly if you go back, just step back a bit to the Dennis Kunisich um, uh, interview. You know, Trump really has to go after the intelligence agencies and find out who's doing this and get on top of this very quickly. Mm. That's what he said, actually, to, uh, Kucinich said that. And that's true, because there's a real deep state operation here to try and get rid of Trump for what he actually represents. And what does he represent? Well, he's very clear in the second part of his actual press conference where he actually talks about we cannot get into a situation of nuclear annihilation. Now, on our program for many, many times, we've talked about, we've campaigned about the danger of nuclear war, and that was under Barack Obama and even earlier under Bush, because we were on a, we were on a hair trigger in many cases with the provocations that Barack Obama was doing in and through NATO up in, up, in, up in Europe and so forth. And Trump is very clear. We cannot get into this position of nuclear annihilation. He says he doesn't know. You know he's a politician now, which is rather a joke. Mm. Because, and one, one thing about Trump, he has no respect for the media, and neither should he, because remember the fake news was yeah. lying their head off during the election campaign. So when Trump is doing these press conferences, he's actually talking to the American people, not to the, pre not to the press. Mm. And that's one of the things you see about the character of what he's doing. So he basically said, look, we cannot get into this issue of uh, nuclear annihilation. Now I'm a politician, you know, which is a bit strange. I don't know whether I can do deals with Putin. It's making it tougher with all this rubbish that's coming out in the media about, you know, we have to attack Russia and so forth. And he made a very good point. He said, look, you know, that with the ship that was off the coast, the west coast, yeah, we could, I could, we could bomb that. And then the American people are applaud. You know, this is a showing of strength of, of, of the United States and so forth. Mm. But that's absurd. He said, that's, that's not the right way to go because that's going to put us into nuclear confrontation. So he is very blunt and very clear that he wants peace. Mm. And that's why the establishment's freaking out because this is completely different mm. to Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. And, you know, I have a per personal view that we would be at war now, nuclear war, with, if, if Clinton was if elected. If Hillary was in there, yeah. And that was a real danger. So the problem we have is that we have a lying media, totally discredited, that hate Trump. And there's a massive media campaign coordinated with the help of the intelligence agencies to try and get this guy, get the administration, the presidency overturned, which is unprecedented. Mm. Yeah, and I was just going to say, if you know, this talk about the intelligence community, if you doubt the veracity of this idea of fake news and where it's coming from, I mean, remember a few years ago there was a German um, journalist, uh, his name was Udo Ulfkotter, and he actually came out and he said, look, you know, I published articles that were literally, under my name, that were literally written by agents of the CIA. And he said, we all lie for the CIA, which goes then back to MI6, which was responsible for this dossier against Trump and so forth. And right now, um, you know, the Syria situation has calmed down a bit because of Russia's intervention. 
But if you, get, if you call in and get a copy of our Australian alert service, you can read an entire feature in there about the attempts to stoke up the Ukrainian conflict again to, as you said, uh, bring the world to the potential brink of war, which allows for control. So we just have to stop for a moment, but we'll be back to keep talking about this after this quick break. Welcome back to the CEC report where we're discussing the shift in economic and foreign policy coming out of the United States, which is really driving the financial establishment crazy at the moment. And they'd rather have full-scale war, quite frankly, than what they are afraid of right now, which we'll just lay out because uh, for a while on this program, and you can look at our previous shows, we have mapped out, which the media are generally silent about, a new economic architecture that is in the wings now. It's coming into shape and many countries are already um, orienting to it, which started with the BRICS, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, uh, and particularly China's proposal from 2013 of the new Silk Road and the One Belt, One Road of bringing nations together to cooperate for development as the only sure way to peace and growth and for all humanity. That's where sovereignty, Elisa, the idea of the nation state providing for its people first and foremost comes first yeah. instead of having a, a global financial mm -hmm. network running through the private banking system, the, the governments and so forth that can then control the economic policy which is basically privatisation, globalisation, economic rationalism or, if you want to put it in a nutshell, looting of the population. Exactly, yeah. Um, so it's a really you know, popular alternative, actually, now that we've come to the point of a new global financial crisis, even worse than 2008. And many countries are moving. But for the US to move, this is a big, big deal. It's one thing for China, for Russia, etc., India. But the US is beginning to orient in that direction. And even the smallest steps are causing a real freakout. So... Um, you know, Trump hasn't had time to do much, but even just in the last couple of weeks, uh, he has had phone calls with Xi Jinping, the Chinese president, which have been very effective. They've sent New Year's greetings to the Chinese, etc. Uh, the Japanese prime minister, Shinzo Abe, was just in the United States, of course, and that was also very fruitful because they again talked about cooperation between the US, Japan, China and Russia. Um, Trump said that we won't interfere with Japan and Russia's growing relationship to cooperate for development. Um, Japan actually offered to spend money from um, investment funds in Japan on US infrastructure, as the Chinese has, have also offered to do. They've offered to put maybe $100 billion or so from US Treasury bonds and to spend that into American infrastructure. So these are very, very interesting proposals. And you see from an article in The Economist on the 4th of February uh, what the concern is coming from the London and Wall Street establishment. And this, we'll put it up, it had the headline, an insurgent in the White House. And it said that basically Trump is wrecking decades of American foreign policy and leaving all the important multilateral bodies like the World Trade Organization and the UN and all these various treaties, including environmental treaties, in the dust. Um, and therefore the machinery of global cooperation, or really global control, could fail in this period and would be very hard to put together again. And then they try to demolish the alternative of what Russia and China and others are doing as a web of bilateralism and a jerry-rigged regionalism. 
and that's what they're referring to with the Silk Road and so mm. forth because it's not this you know, absolute free trade conception of having control top down. But the bilateral relationships and the trade that is going on, Craig, under the Silk Road conception and other ideas is actually extremely effective and that's why countries are joining it. Well, it's built on this idea of actually building the physical economic uh, development and capacity of nations. Mm. And China's doing this, I think it's 122 countries now, they're involved mm. in providing you know, high level, high, high quality infrastructure, you know, dams, high speed rails, other ports and so forth, so that these countries can, yes, they can trade with China. So there's bilateral cooperation, but it's not about simply China going into other countries with the view of taking over their mm. governments or, or you know, doing what the West does actually with countries. Um, it's not around military the militarisation, you know, selling weapons and so forth, like the West has been doing, particularly the military-industrial complex in the United States that ran the Obama administration. I mean, you've got a complete change here, mm. uh, moving away from the policies of destroying states towards actually developing states. And that is what is causing the problems for Donald Trump at mm. the moment. Because, look, he came in uh, representing the people of America. He said again in his press conference, he wants to do what is right with the American people. Mm. So far, he's moving in that direction. And, you know, the, the, the decades the decades of, uh, you know, structures that have been put in place for this whole war apparatus that did bring us to the brink of nuclear war under uh, Obama... Mm. Is, is being sidelined and they are not going to take this line down so we're in, we're in for a huge fight here mm. and, uh, and what we're seeing is in, unprecedented in terms of the battle that has to take place. If Donald Trump takes the real step of introducing Glass-Steagall, mm. breaking up the big banks of Wall Street, Whoa. well I mean that's what they're really terrified about. Now yeah. if he keeps getting pushed into a corner by all these other issues and starts to pull that issue out. Mm. That is the one that they're really terrified about, a new financial architecture of which the BRICS countries are already developing with new different forms of finance, you know, different banks, the Asian yep. Infrastructure uh, Investment Bank, for example, that we're a part of. I mean, you've got enormous uh, capabilities here, so that's the next, uh, the next uh, shoe to drop. And he introduces Glass-Steagall, you're gonna transform the world financial architecture and that's going to decimate the City of London mm. and Wall Street, and they know it. Yeah, and exactly. And they know, too, that national credit comes next because there was an article in Foreign Policy magazine, How Trump Can Win With China, and it actually acknowledged, despite being pro-free trade, TPP, etc., that these mechanisms that China is using to fund development is the American system. It's the system of Alexander Hamilton, um, and China's just following that pathway, which is the only one that works. And it's also what Australia needs. And after this quick break, we're going to talk about... How are we going to do that here? Welcome back to the CC Report. Now we're discussing Australia's economy is being deliberately dismantled. Help stop it. So, you know, our economy, Craig, is really on the brink of the point of no return because we're just shutting down industry after industry and it's got to a point where it, something has to be done and we have to hold our politicians accountable. Um, now, I want to just list the industries, and this is by no means exhaustive. Uh, we'd be here all day, but... Yeah, Lisa, I just wanted to say, as you're listening at these industries, right, I want people to think, this is the policies of free trade and globalisation. This is not abstract. Our politicians are all committed to this policy. It's never had, it has, actually hasn't been like this in the past, where we've had 
politicians on the Labor side of politics like, you know, Curtin and Chifley and others, Blackjack McEwen, who actually believed in the development of industries. Mm. So what we're dealing with here is politicians, our elected officials, that agree to a policy that is causing this. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, free trade doesn't work. Yeah, and that's, none of this is accidental. It is deliberate by the policies, as you said, that have been brought in. So mm. we've seen the disintegration, the complete disappearance of our textile industry. Uh, we've just about wiped out the last of our steel and aluminium industries. Our car manufacturing with Toyota and Holder to shut down later this year is just about gone. Whole sectors of agriculture from fruit growing, canning, pig farming, the dairy industry, irrigated agriculture in the Murray-Darling Basin and more industries within agricultural besides. Uh, we've got the timber and the fishing industries under assault, um, the utility sector through mass privatisations in particular. Look at the effect on independent grocers and supermarkets and other retail categories through national competition policy and so on. And then look at other specifics such as the shutdown of Hazelwood Power Station, which is set to happen next month. And that's something that you know, is difficult to reverse once you shut down a coal-fired power station like that without an alternative. And once um, we start moving into blackouts and brownouts, it's going to sweep a government away. Exactly, and we've right. just seen that in South Australia. And this is what's happening is that the stupidity of these policies is going to literally create political uproar. Because as you say, you can't just instantaneously turn a power station on. And, you know, this, this is what people have to realise. These policies have real physical impacts and it's already it's all it's all right to go and protest on the steps of parliament or so forth about these sorts of policies, but you've got to look at the whole nature of what these governments are standing for: free trade, you know, competition based upon market forces, right? Whereby the market forces are the, that which determine what is necessary for a population as a whole. And when government abrogates its responsibility to actually create the conditions for industries to survive survive on the basis of free market rules, private boardroom rules, what you're going to get is a destruction of public infrastructure where people are going to lose out. Mm, because it's explicitly the job of governments to create an environment in which you can run an economy and in which industries can survive and flourish and grow. This and is the argument of free trade. We've talked about this in the past of specific policies like the Mont Pelerin Society that brought in, was brought into Australia in, uh, in its influence through these many different think tanks like um, the HR Nichols Society, the Centre for Independent Studies and so forth. There's a plethora of these right-wing think tanks that believe that small government is good. Let the market decide. Mm. Oh, while well, the market is deciding, you yeah. get your power shut off very shortly, <laughs> exactly. right? I mean, that's the market, people. And mm. that's why uh, you know, we talk about the idea of strong government regulation in basic economic infrastructure. Water, power, uh, the total crucial areas to develop in industry, and you have to have strong government regulation on that. Also, in terms of transport, so that you have this good centralised transport development for shifting goods from place to place. And any other basic economic infrastructure, mm. like health, for example, mm. you know, it needs to be regulated and supported and funded by governments for the benefit of the population, not private boardrooms yeah. trying to make a buck. And another layer even above that is the kind of top-down regulation of the banks with Glass-Steagall legislation mm -hmm. and national banking where government actually has a role to play uh, in banking, which we've stepped back from. We have to return to that. Mm -hmm. And people can actually go to our website, download our petition for Glass-Steagall as a starting point. We've got a big campaign on this. We need to bring this to the attention to all of the politicians now.
So go to our website, sign the petition yourself, contact us to get other copies. Now, thanks for joining in to the CEC report this week. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Lisa. And join us again next week. Thank you.